The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Happy New Year to you all. Um, Good to be back together. If I'm totally honest, good not to be singing carols. I do like carols. I like carols at the beginning of December, and I don't like them by the end of December. So, uh, um, So it's good to be together. Um, hope you had a really good Christmas. Um, I thought we had some really good Christmas events. Um, just a big thank you if you were serving on car park or if you were doing the refreshments or if you're in the worship band or if you're involved in any way with all of the sort of, a, I don't know, just that family event we did. You know, here, the family event we did, I think, on the 10th of December and all the props and the staging and all of that. I, I didn't know that James Webb could act so well. Did you guys know that? I mean, amazing. Really, really good. Good, good. And then, and then last week, um, we obviously had on the 31st a bit of, of rev- a review of 2023. Um, God's good, isn't he? God is so, so good to us. Um, In actual fact, I think God is so good to us that it can't just stay with us, can it? If you think about how good he has been, how he has blessed us, even the songs we've been singing out to God right now, just about his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, is is there only enough grace for us here? Is, Is there only enough? Well, there is enough, Tom, but not just for us. Not just for us. Hasn't it got an overflow? A few months ago, well, actually, it's back in July, I spoke about fishing boats going off the coast of Hastings, Bexhill, St. Leonard's, Hastings, letting down nets, seeing where the goodness of God is working in our community, seeing what he wants to do. Do you remember last year, right, right back 12 months ago, there was a prophetic word about the lost sheep? And who's your one? God is too good for just us. He is good for us, but his goodness must overflow. It cannot be limited just to what's going on here or or maybe what's going on in St. Helens along the ridge or Battle Baptist or Beulah Baptist. God's too good just for, I don't know, a few thousand Christians that are meeting right now in 1066 country, 150,000 people, most of which do not know the goodness of God like we do. Don't we need to rediscover something of that gritty edge? Not, not, not that we rub people up the wrong way, but, but that people realise there is something different about us. You have a hope that is transformative for you, but has the potential to be transformative for all of those around you. There isn't a life too far away. There isn't a heart that is too hard. And before Christmas, some words jumped off a page to me, um, and it's from Psalm 68. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 68. If you haven't, New Year's resolution bring a paper Bible with you to church. 
And the reason I say a paper Bible, not a phone Bible, because if you go on your phone, you're going to see all those notifications and you'll never get to the Bible because you were looking at all your notifications. So paper Bibles do not come with notifications. So bring a paper Bible that's helpful if you're easily distracted. So, and what we're going to do is, I just want to ask a simple question. What is God like? What is God like? Now, rather than you answering it from what you know in your head, what I want to do is, as I read Psalm 68, and it's quite long, I want you to pull out, I want you to be thinking, what is God like? What am I learning about God from Psalm 68? Because then I'm going to test you afterwards because you're going to need to say, tell your neighbour what God is like from Psalm 68. So not, not from other stuff you know, just from Psalm 68. So this is what it says. The words will come up behind me anyway, so if you haven't got your Bible, we are full of grace. So, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him, May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets a lonely in families and he leaves out prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, um, the one of Sinai, before God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God, you refreshed the weary of your inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from, from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed in silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen from Mount Zalman. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai to his sanctuary. When you ascend on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to the God, our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that their feet may wade in the blood of your foes, while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Bit grisly, isn't it? Your procession, God, has come into view. The procession of my God, the King, into the sanctuary. 
in the front of the singers, after them the musicians, with them are young women playing timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is the little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There is the great throng of Judah's princes. There the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Summon your power, God. Show your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd of the bulls among the calves of the nations. Humble may the beast bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient of heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is over the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Two minutes. Turn to the person next to you. What do you see about God from that psalm? Over to you. It's a really quick two minutes, 30 seconds left. So this is a Psalm of David. You'll notice that at the top, probably connected with the Ark of the Covenant entering Jerusalem. Psalms 65 through 68 are all meant, they all come together. They're like all part of a set or a series. Um, and they are for congregational singing. I mean, I don't know about you, but some of those lines there, I'm not certain how I'd feel singing them out. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to get you to sing them out either. But um, it's quite interesting. It tells something of Israel's history from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion, from the wilderness to the temple in Jerusalem. So what did you notice? Well, one of the things I noticed is that God is mighty. We see something of God's power and might displayed in various different ways. We see it over the wicked in verse 1. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before a fire. May the wicked perish before God. There is a frightening picture of God's might and power. He says the wicked will disappear like the wind blowing away smoke or like wax melting before a flame. God is powerful. We find him mighty over creation. In verse 2, he talks about riding in on the clouds. I don't know about you, but we've had some pretty stormy weather. The wind has been blowing. The cloud, can clouds below or can only waves below? Can clouds below? 
waves, I know it's waves, but anyway, you know what I mean? You've got, you've got the stormy uh, weather, you've got the rain coming down, and there's this picture of God Almighty riding in on the clouds. He is over creation. We see him mighty in deliverance, verse 7. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched out through the wilderness, the earth shook. It's remembering how God delivered Israel out of Egypt's hands. You know, it doesn't mention the plagues. It doesn't mention the Red Sea parting and two million people going through it. It doesn't mention the walls of Jericho falling down. But there's that remembering God is mighty in deliverance. We see God is mighty in resources. It says, the chariots of God are 10,000s and thousands of thousands. In, in, in that day when the psalm was written, chariots were like fighter jets. It's, it's saying, God, God, you're, you're not just powerful, but you have all the resources as well. You can call on anything and it will come. He, he, doesn't, have, he doesn't have limited resources. We find that he is mighty over the nations, verse 32. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient of heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. God is over the nations. He scatters the nations who delight in war. That's what it says a few verses before that. Even superpowers are no match for God. The Bible's really clear. God raises nations and he brings them down. Sometimes it's quite hard to work out why God allows certain nations or regimes to exist, but the Bible is very clear that God is in control of it all. So we see God's sometimes quite terrifying, sovereign power over the wicked, over creation, in deliverance, in limitless resources, over the nations. But we also see something else in this psalm. This is only half of what the psalm is communicating. Yes, I didn't hear what you said, but I may, I, don't worry. You're right. You've been reading the notes, I think. I think you've been. What we find here in the psalm is that God is merciful. We find God is mighty, but we find God is merciful. And we're going to go to the end of the psalm and work our way back through it. And like I say, when I was reading this psalm, it really got me. And I'm really praying, I pray this will really get you as well. His might and his mercy. Verse 35 says this, You God are awesome in sanctuary, the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. God doesn't just act unilaterally. He doesn't just act sovereignly. God shares his power with us. The limitless one shares his power with limited ones. And so even today, we can find strength and encouragement knowing that God's resources are available to us. Moving earlier in the psalm, verse 19, it says this, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. I mean, that is, 
remarkable. What burden are you carrying at the moment? You don't have to carry it on your own. What strength I find morning by morning as I connect with Jesus, knowing that I come to one with limitless resources who has offered to daily bear my burdens. Do you know him? Have you experienced him when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? What's he saying? He's saying, let me help you carry the burdens that you are carrying. Later on, we read in the Bible about Jesus who carried the ultimate burden of our sin. The reason we can joyfully come and worship him is because we know that the burden of our sin is being carried by someone else. Jesus Christ. I don't have to carry it anymore. Verse 10, moving closer on in the psalm, your people settled in it, in the promised land, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. We find he doesn't just bear our burdens, but he specifically looks to provide for those in situations of poverty. Those who are overlooked by people with influence and power are not overlooked by the one who is all-powerful. Your people settled in it, the promised land, from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. You provided, God provided for the poor. And verse 5 and 6 really stood out to me. It says this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God's glory is not just revealed in his might and power, but also in his concern, his care, and his mercy. We see something of his glory. And this is personal. Do you notice this? He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of the widows. He is a friend to the lonely and he places them in families. He is a joyful deliverer to the prisoners. I love that. He says he leads the prisoners out with singing. So I've slightly changed it. He is a joyful deliverer to the prisoners. He, He takes delight in this. He hasn't delegated it away to the angels. He could have said, look, there's some stuff that needs doing. I know it needs to be done. I'm not that passionate about it. Gabriel, could you just sort out a few angels to get this going? He he doesn't say that, does he? I am a defender of the widows. I am a father to the fatherless. I am one who leads the prisoners out with joy. God is holy. God is loving God is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. There is these characteristics about who God is. God is merciful. He's a joyful deliverer. It's an outworking of him being a God of love. He cares about the most vulnerable in society. That's what he's describing there. 
God cares. Often, often, don't we, in society, we see people with great power, and particularly social media does that. They're really keen to see themselves linked with other people with influence and power. Oh, I, I hung out at that party with this person, or I did that, or I did the other. And even maybe we can feel like that. We want to, maybe social media, we want to show ourselves linked to someone with more power or influence. God doesn't. God cares about the widow. He cares about the fatherless. He cares about the lonely. He cares about the prisoners. This is personal to God. This is personal to him. It's it's his meal table. It's his food. It's his coat that he gives away. It's his time that he spends. It's him being inconvenienced. God cares. And, and I know so many of you, even as I'm saying this, so many of you are so good at this. If I, Your hearts are already so reflected of God. I was just thinking of different ways. Those of you that, that foster are reflecting God's heart. Those of you that are in the education system, whether it's teachers or you're doing other things and you are your parents, you, you care. I know some of you provide respite care. Others of you are in, in some sort of healthcare, caring profession. And all of these things, there's this incredible opportunity to reflect God in, in how you're you're operating, but, but it isn't just that. I was thinking about um, Kate's probably out. With, is she out with the children? I, anyway, Kate, Kate, Kate runs TLG, Transforming Lives for Good, and, and it sends mentors into school. This is reflecting, this is the heart of God. I can imagine God celebrating every time a mentor goes into school and spends time with one of those little ones that doesn't know their left from their right. When we gather tots in this room on a Sunday... Uh, no, not on a Sunday, when we have a talk, on a Tuesday morning. This is reflecting something of God's heart as parents are loved and kids are loved and mutual support moves around. Every time a connect group meets and, and we love one another, whether that's a leader loving or, 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 or one another in going on. Every time you spend time with a lonely neighbour or... I don't know, get alongside that family struggling at the end of your street that probably is a bit of a pain, but, but you're going above and beyond. This reflects God's heart. And it's, it's, it's not that complicated, really, is it? It's, it's costly and it's inconvenient, but it isn't very complicated, Jesus says in Matthew 25, it's a bit of a provoking passage about the sheep and the goats. And he talks about what food did you give away? What drink did you provide? What shelter did you offer? What clothing did you share? Who did you visit that was sick? Who was in prison? There's a, there's a dear lady in the church, I'm getting distracted. There's a dear lady in the church and I won't name her. But I had this really funny instance before Christmas when I was visiting different people that weren't very well and every time I turned up somewhere she was coming out she was one step ahead of me the whole way 
the whole way there. We, we do this as a community. We, we do this as a family. And then if you read verse 5, just if you've got your Bibles, do look at verse 5. It says, is God in his holy dwelling? Now, I'm, I'm going to go over something I've already said, but, but these characteristics, I've already said it, reflect what is important to God. So God in his holy dwelling... So you imagine this, right? There's God there. Is it quite warm? Or is it just me? I'm, wor- I'm working up a bit of a... Just me, is it, Tom? Okay. You imagine God in his holy dwelling. You've got the living creatures, those awesome creatures there. You've got the seraphim. You've got the millions of angels. You've got all of that going on. You've got, you've got the um, elders casting down their crowns. You've got all of this going on in glory. Yeah, you, you know the scene? Revelation, what's God like in his holy dwelling? Well, he's, he's all of that, but he's also a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. He sets the lonely in families and he rejoices as the prisoners get set free. This is the God that we worship. Mighty and merciful. The one who is unapproachable in glory is the one who cares. And think about the teaching of Jesus for a moment, right? So when teaching about the Father, he says, he says, your Father in heaven knows how many hairs are on your heads. No jokes in poor taste from me. Now, on average, there are 100,000 hairs on every head. 100,000, that's quite a lot. Isn't it? When I have a shower in the morning, I have no idea how many hairs have parted company with my head. I don't count them. I don't count them. I, I don't know. It's of little consequence because I've still got some left. But my father in heaven knows because he cares so much for me, he even knows something that is of little importance to me it's incredible he says even a little sparrow falling to the ground we don't know anything about it my father in heaven he does and he says you are much more valuable you are much more valuable than they are God is terrifically mighty but he is also merciful Dane Ortland said this talking about God. If he were mighty, but not merciful, he could not save us. So, say that again. If he were mighty, but not merciful, he could save us, but would not. If he were merciful, but not mighty, he would like to save us, but could not. But he is both able to deliver us, and he enjoys delivering us. God's heart for those in poverty goes right through Scripture. The Old Testament law puts safeguards in so that people don't get trapped in poverty. King's government was judged on partly on how successfully it cared for those in poverty. One of the successes for government was how well they care for those in poverty. It even talks about governments crushing oppression in order that, the, that those in poverty are protected. 
We need to pray for our government that it is righteous and that it is just, but it is compassionate and that it is caring. We find part of the apostolic calling of the church is to care for those in poverty as well. When the apostle Paul was commissioned by the other apostles, the one thing they said he was to do is to remember the poor. Don't don't forget them as part of the church community, as part of the broader church community. That's why it's part of what we do. So what is God like? He is both merciful and he is mighty. He is powerful and gentle. He is both able to deliver us and he enjoys delivering us. When we see Jesus, he is exactly the same. He is compassionate, he is gentle, he is merciful, he is caring for the outcast, the broken, the sick and the widow. But he is also the one who silenced the storm, heals the sick, raises the dead, defeated evil and overcame death. That is the Jesus that we come to. He is both the lion and the lamb. He is all powerful and yet he is merciful the one who can rescue and the one who wants to rescue. This is good news. If you are here today, if you are here today, he is a father to the fatherless. That is good news. If you don't know what it is to have a father or a mother or you feel or you have been abandoned, there is a God who cares for you. He is a defender of the widows. If you've been bereaved or if you have been abandoned in some way, God cares for you. He is a friend to the lonely and places them in families. It's good news. This is good news. And we as a family are called to reflect God's heart in that. And he is a joyful deliverer to the prisoners. This is good news. If you are here today and you know you are guilty, you know you have messed up, you know that you have failed, maybe you know that you are trapped in addiction, there is a mighty deliverer available. And things may not get sorted overnight, but he will fight for you. He will fight for you. So what difference does it make to us? Start 2024. Well, on one hand, just lifting our eyes up to see who God is will do your soul good. To see him as both mighty and merciful will feed your soul. Does mine anyway. I think it's also an encouragement if we are struggling. Come to him. Mercy is available. Resources are available. But I think it's also, and uh, Katie mentioned it, it also fuels our faith as we pray. Next Sunday to the following Sunday, we are going to be praying about issues of poverty and injustice. Church, you need to be at one of those meetings. When are you going to come? 
and pray about issues of poverty and injustice. When we pray on our own, it's brilliant. But when we pray together, that is amazing. Where two or three gather in my name and agree, I will do it. There must be somewhere in there where you can come join us as we lift up our voices, as we stir ourselves and say, oh God, would you break through? And for some of you, the reason you don't come to prayer meetings, I know, is because you're fearful or just uncomfortable, that whole thing of praying and worried about praying out. Please don't worry about that. And don't, there is no need for you to pray out at all. Not for others to hear. Just come and listen to other people pray. Come and join the family as we come to our father and ask him for a whole load of stuff in connection with injustice and poverty issues. Please and, and, and even if we do say, get in groups and all pray out, you don't have to join those groups. You can just, just watch from the side. You are really, really welcome. But, but come, pray, join us as we look to see things transform through prayer. And then lastly, I suppose, and this is really simple, but, but I think it's really profound, is can I just encourage you, start a 2024 Make it a priority to stop for the one. Slow down enough to see where God is working and be willing and bold enough to get involved. I can guarantee that 2024 is not going to be any quieter than 2023. So if you're going to wait for things to get quieter before you respond to the person in front of you, it won't happen. But just that five minutes maybe being five minutes late, but, but you took that five minutes to talk to that person in front of you because the Holy Spirit prompted you and you thought just those kind words or that offer to pray or, 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 or just some expression of concern or love can make the world a difference to someone. We're his hands and feet. Church, aren't we called to express his love in practical ways Food, water, shelter, clothing, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison. That's who we are. That's what God has called us to do. Why don't we stand? Holy Spirit, we, we just, uh, we pray, Lord, would you take what I've shared, would you take Psalm 67, and Lord God, would you make it live in our hearts. We are so grateful, Lord God, that you are a father to the fatherless. We're so grateful you're a defender of widows. We're so grateful, Lord, that you are a friend to the lonely and that you joyfully lead out the prisoners. Because if you weren't like that, we would be in a hopeless situation. Lord, we want to be your hands and feet. Lord, we, we want to appeal to you for change and transformation. But Lord, we, we, we also, Lord God, want to roll our sleeves up and get stuck in where you call us to. 
whether it's with our neighbours, with our friends, with those we meet on ch- by chance. Lord God, would you use us in 2024 to be salt and light, to extend your love, to express something of your kindness and compassion to those who don't know you. We pray that in your precious name, Lord Jesus.